As you're turning back to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 15, which is really just a, an anchor. This is kind of a, an intro to a couple passages. Because I wanted to take a, wor- a, a look at, um, really in particular, one word, and that's foolishness. It's, it's kind of the opposite of wisdom, which is what we see here in verse 15. Uh, we, we live in a world, we live in a society that, that kind of esteems wisdom. Um, I say kind of because it doesn't really know what true wisdom is on the, on the one hand. It also seeks it in the wrong places, so it's not going to find it. Um, and then its very definition of what wisdom is is quite different than, than the Bible. Um, I was thinking about it. And tell, tell me if this example kind of sounds uh, familiar to you. You know, I'm, uh, a 16-year-old girl might, might think this kind of a thing, you know, and say this to her parents. Um, well, I'm old enough. I, I can make my own decisions. I, I'm an adult now. I don't, I don't need these rules. I, I don't even need my parents. Um, stop bossing me around. Stop, stop telling me what to do. Don't, don't you want me to be happy and have fun? I mean, that's pretty typical, right? Unfortunately, what has also become all too familiar is, well, they go off and they do this and they hang out in the wrong places and they hang out with the wrong people and she hangs out with the wrong guys and does the wrong things and then at 16 magically finds himself pregnant and the response then is well well I'm too young to have this baby and I can't do it on my own and, and I'm not an adult <clears throat> And old enough for this kind of responsibility. I need help because of my actions of what I wanted to do and my infinite wisdom at 16. I'm not happy. Um, well, that's the difference between foolishness and, and wisdom. And so it's not uncommon that young people think that way. Unfortunately, what's very, very common now is is our young people aren't maturing and developing into adults mentally. And they're staying right there. In fact, they're getting worse. So we send our adolescents off and, okay, now it's time to grow up and go to college, right? Because in college, now they're going to magically grow up and learn all this infinite wisdom and insights and intellect. Well, how's that working out for us? Um, They're not getting smarter. They're not getting wiser. Um, They're becoming more and more immature. And so, four years later, after college, they graduate, have no skill. They have no um, critical thinking capabilities. They just read and repeat whatever some, you know, professor has taught them. And the professor then, in an effort to sound 
brilliant and smart and intellectual is, is constantly seeking that, that, that mysterious gem of, of gold, right? That is, this is new. So if it's new, then it's got to be brilliant. It's got to be, you know, never before seen. Well, as we've mentioned before, stop looking for new. If it's new, it's probably not true. Even more so in today's day and age. Today's day, you just think about in the last couple of years, all the, the new stuff. Right? What's, what's the biggest new stuff? Well, if you're a man, you're, well, not a man, and a woman, you're not a woman. In fact, we don't know what a man or a woman is. That's like the, the big thing right now, right? That, that's like the sheer genius of wisdom and intellect is you don't know what a man and a woman is. The, the sheer genius of of what, what science is, right? In fact, we just have this great term now, you know, just, just follow the science. What does that mean? Follow the science, follow it where? Into stupidity? Um, and so we, we know where to go, but are we going there? Are we going to the scriptures for real wisdom? We've been studying with the, the men's group for a while now in Proverbs and Proverbs is just filled with a reminder of this is wisdom and this is foolishness. This wisdom will lead you to prosperity and happiness and this foolishness will lead you to death and destruction. This wisdom and this path will lead you to heaven and this foolishness will lead you to a path of destruction that leads you to eternity and hell. Over and over and over again. And so when we ask the question, well, how do we find wisdom? Well, the answer is found in the scriptures. Um, the scriptures isn't new to this. Uh, when, when the earth was wondering whether we're flat or round, it was the Proverbs 8.27 that reminded us of the earth is a sphere. Well, you got to put yourself back 3,000 years and, and say, well, how did the Bible know that? Um, because the Bible was written by God who made the sphere. Um, Job 26 talks about the, the, the earth hanging on nothing. Again, back then, well, how did you know? I mean, you know, well, because the Bible says so. Job 36 talks about the, the hydration water cycle. You know, where, where water's in a lake and evaporates into the earth and forms a cloud and rains down and goes to a river and, you know, empties into a lake and does it all over again. I mean, how, 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 how do we know that? Well, the Bible was a scientific book way before its time. The Bible unveils a richness in wisdom that, that is, is in some ways so basic and easy, in other ways incomprehensible. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creepy things and beasts of the earth and after their kind. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the, on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over 
every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Who knew that that was going to be such a great challenge? Well, God knew. And God addressed it in the beginning, very, very beginning. God knew that, that the very understanding of who are we and where do we come from was going to be essential in creation, in God being the creator of the universe, in him being the creator of the universe, the absolute being of the universe. Well, then he's the absolute moral law creator. He creates absolutes. Again, we fast forward today, and the big argument in postmodernism is, well, there are no absolutes. Everything is subjective, right? I mean, that's until you stand out in the middle of the road out there and let a car run you over. Then you find out there are absolutes. It's going to hurt. Every time. Um... And so we, we look for wisdom, and nowadays we find that, wow, the, the basics, just some of the basics seem to be a lot more profound than we ever knew. Um, true wisdom, then, is, is literally unleashed in the scriptures. Evolution, remember, was a new thing, right? Darwin and, and his observations. And, you know, again, that was the new thing. It was genius. It was amazing. It was so scientific. Of course, scientists have refuted it over and over and over again. They don't even really talk about, I mean, Darwinism isn't real science. They've, they've repackaged it and, and regrouped it. And it's still, in my favorite, you know, the theory of evolution, which... Again, they erase the theory part, even though it's still a theory. It's like, think about that for a second, because that reemphasizes that this isn't proven. It isn't 100% reliable. Why? Well, because it isn't. And so when we think about where we're going to find truth, where we're going to become wise, well, the only book that's not changing every 50 years, scientifically, geographically, archaeologically, are the scriptures. Um, we were talking with the, the, the fourth graders this week about, uh, we're, we're looking at, at, at the gibbon monkeys, right? The gibbon monkeys. And, and there's different types of, of apes and monkeys. You know, there's gorillas, chimpanzees, orangutans, gibbons. And, and, and even within their own, you know, their own species, they're, they're different. They're different. But here, here's the interesting thing that we see in them. What, what makes a gibbon unique, like, like fall, being able to fall out of a tree from 50 feet and not breaking his limbs. Okay, that's, that's important when you live in the trees, right? Um, and when you're able to swing on, on, on limbs and your arm actually rotates in a 360 degree, which as a baseball player sounds amazing to me. I mean, the pronation, it's a big baseball term, but the pronation that I can get on a pitch, 
oh man, this, to be, it'd be incredible. Um, the, you know, so, but I don't have that, but, but this gibbon does. Uh, you know, the gibbon's hairy and stuff, which, you know, acts as, you know, in that nice little jacket in the winter. And so when we look at these things and we, we, we look at these different species and go, wow, this is what makes him unique. This is how he survives in the jungle. And you think, well, let's just, let, let's just go with it. You know, evolution there. He's born in that first like transitional baby gibbon monkey thing. Doesn't have the hair, the bone density, the pronation in his arm. He dies. He doesn't go on and live. He dies. See, the human baby can't live like the gibbon and the gibbon can't live like the baby. They both have special, unique features that help them live and survive in their habitat and in, in their community the way they do very uniquely. If you take away those things, well, they can no longer survive, which means then the next one doesn't make it. You know, me and the boys were talking about that. It's like, by the way, which was that first one? Was it a boy or a girl? And it had no other species to mate with to produce the next one. It's like, anyway, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out that, that that doesn't work. And yet here we are today with every single school system in America teaching it as though it's fact, as, as though it's gospel truth. Well, this is gospel truth. This then is wisdom. And so when we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, when we go to Ephesians chapter 5, and it says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your day. Why? Because the days are evil. Warning, warning, warning. Your days are evil. So be careful how you're walking. Don't be unwise. Verse 17, so then do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. Okay, well, what's the difference then between the wise and the foolish? We want to walk as the wise. And so today's a, a, an introduction to three steps of, of wise walking. And, and kind of our first step is, well, what's a fool? What's a fool? What, what is this foolishness? I want to look at four aspects. One, fools are born fools. Bulls are, fools are born foolish. Second, fools think foolishness is wisdom. Third, fools receive a foolish punishment. And then finally, fools can reject foolishness. So let's unpack this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 gives us some, some great insight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross, the powerful word of the cross, the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is, is, is just, it's foolishness to the world. Jesus died on a 
post and that saves my sins? That's what you believe? Yes, that's what we know. Well, that's utter foolishness to the non-believing world, right? So, so let's understand that. But it's actually power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. Did you guys hear that? The world, through its wisdom, did not come to know the God, to know God. The world, through its wisdom of science, through its wisdom of psychology, through its wisdom of philosophy, those wise roads do not lead to God. And vice versa. We've talked about this before. This is why when you go off to college in the science department, in the philosophy department, in the psychology department, they don't say, yeah, come on in and bring your Bibles. They absolutely reject the Bible. Why are you accepting the science as though it's biblical? Why are you accepting the philosophy as though it's wise? Why are you accepting psychology as though you could sprinkle it in? This is utter foolishness. This is dangerous. When we're being warned about being foolish versus what, what do you think the Bible's talking about? It's talking about that. God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Well, what do you think we're talking about? Back then, maybe you're talking about like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. What are we talking about today? Who, who are the wise of the, of, of the age? The people who are writing books, the people who have talk shows, the, the scientists, the philosophers, the podcasters, right? People who are speaking and telling you what to do. People who are saying, no, th this is the right way. We're going to completely unravel the institution of marriage, which has been the, the bond and the form of civilization. Well, let's just like erase that and see what happens. Like it's some experiment. God says, well, where is this wisdom? I'm going to destroy it. Verse 21, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know to God. God was well pleasing through, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Do you know what an advantage it is to know that Jesus Christ is? is the son of the living God, part of the triune Godhead, and that his death, burial, and resurrection is what saves you from your sin and enters you into an eternity into heaven with God, the creator of the universe? Do you understand how powerful that statement is in your wisdom? If you know that and understand that, it's like you, you, you've got the secret code. You, you, you know what's actually really happening. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18 continues. 
Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. Listen, the, 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 the foolishness, the foolish wisdom of the world is crafty. It's tricky. What does that mean? It's deceitful. It, it doesn't come straight at you. This is why it's planted in the seeds when? Once you're 25 and you go to wisdom training school? No. For only those who are able to get to go to college? No. For those who can afford to buy books? No. We're, we're going to start you at kindergarten, right? We're going to put everybody in a system from Pennsylvania to California. We're all going to be in the same system. We're going to have a, a, a national union that codifies exactly what the curriculum is that we all teach. We all teach it the same way. And at the heart of it is God. Oh, no, that's not true. At the heart of it is to seek real wisdom. Oh, no, it's more political than anything, right? I mean, just think about that. How shameful is it to take advantage of kids? That's what they're doing. They're taking advantage of kids when they're young and they start kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, right? And you keep ramping on up. Why? So that they can be crafty in their foolishness. They're, they're not seeking to have real honest debate. Well, let's talk about, let, let's talk about this, this scientific thing called evolution. You show me where in anywhere, in anything, when you make an observation in the world, you come up with, I bet that chair came out of nothing. No, you look at that and everybody goes, well, who made it? Who designed it? Who created it? it it's obvious. We can't even have that discussion anymore. I can show you a picture. I can show you on the screen. I can show you an ultrasound of a baby with a head and a heartbeat and skingers and genitalia and all kinds of different stuff, right? You can see the picture. You can hear it. That's not a baby. <laughs> what? Oh, well, we can't even talk about that either. Listen, the wisdom of the world is the foolishness and don't be confused. It's crafty. It's crafty. It's deceitful. That's Satan's way. Satan's way is to lie. Colossians 2.8 says, don't, don't, don't be captivated. Don't be imprisoned. Don't become a prisoner to philosophies. What are philosophies? Philosophies are the people that sit around and go, um, I wonder how it would be if it wasn't like this. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what the opposite is of this thinking. And we all start with the Bible. What if there wasn't a God? What if God didn't exist? 
I mean, that, that's the, the, the foundation of philosophy. What, what, what if we don't have to be married? What, what, if, what if, what if, what if, right? I mean, that's the genesis of philosophy. Don't be captivated by that. I mean, it, it's constantly, every day we see, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. Homelessness is a problem. Really? I didn't know. Give me the solution. I know what the problem is. I see the problem. Where's the solution? Well, here's my philosophy. Here's my philosophy. Here's my. Oh, we got philosophies coming out of our ears, but no wisdom. Colossians says, don't be captivated by that or traditions. Well, what do you think they're talking about there? Hey, religious institutions have their problems too, right? denominations and all the different denominations that have all the little different tweaks and understandings and beliefs of, of, of scripture and theology and doctrine that they argue over. Uh, be careful how you wrangle about those words. By definition, we know that they don't agree because they don't agree, <laughs> right? So somebody's probably wrong somebody's probably right or they both might be wrong in any case be careful how you just like adhere to your tradition i'm a baptist i'll die a baptist i'm a methodist i'll die a methodist be biblical be biblical um and if it's new then maybe you should reconsider Oh, there's this new thing. There's this new church. There's this new new pastor. You know, I've been following this series on, you know, the Mark Driscoll, you know, the Mars Hill movement and, you know, the rise and the fall of it. And then it's just like, it, it's so, so common. You know, the, you guys familiar with the emergent church? That was like the soup of the day a few years ago. Now most people don't even know. It came and went. You don't even know. But the underpinnings of it still have the hangover. Um, so be careful how you take on philosophies and traditions, especially as they're infused into the church. Well, the first thing I really want to look at, and I, I told you this is kind of an intro. Um, fools are born foolish. Fools are, are born foolish. Proverbs 22.15 says that our foolishness comes from birth. Um, let me turn to that real quick. Proverbs 22. And again, I encourage you to read through your Proverbs and, and just anchor. Anchor in. And you'll gain real wisdom and, and insight. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, this isn't an attack on a child. We were all children at one time, right? All of us were children. And the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. The foolishness is, is what everybody starts with. We know that we were desperately sick and wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. We know in Psalm 51 that we're conceived in sin and iniquity. We know that there's none righteous. None of us are righteous. No, not one. We see this in, in Romans 3.10. We see that we're, we're all sinful, Romans 3.23. But it begins with we're fools. We're, we're foolish. And that foolishness has to be removed. It has to be driven out of us. 
Well, how? Well, fools are fools because they exist and they believe apart from God. Wise, the wise, live in accordance with God. The wise are the ones who believe and adhere to what God says and then live, follow, and obey it. And it's that simple. And so the path that you start on from step one is either a foolish path, I'm going to do it on my own and follow the way of the world, or I'm going to follow God and do what he says. And from that step forward, you're either going down the fool's path or you're going down the path of wisdom. And so a child must learn how to grow. He must and it takes time and it takes steps and, and that's okay. It's okay to not be, you know, super wise in the beginning. We, we grow into that, don't we? Life gives us life experience that, that helps build wisdom, especially as we put it together. Now, some of you may be thinking, boy, this sounds really harsh. <laughs> um, and it is somewhat harsh. And it's harsh because 360 times in the Bible, God uses this phrase of foolishness. Now, some of you may be thinking in the back of your mind, wait a minute, I know there's a verse out there that says don't call anybody a fool. Why are we saying fools and foolishness? Matthew 5.22. But I say to you, therefore, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that means fool, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And so we see here, wait a minute, I, th I thought we're not supposed to call somebody a fool. Well, first of all, yeah, not in anger. We don't call people names. I'm not, I'm not calling people names. Let's be clear about that. What we're saying is, and what we're doing is we're identifying what foolishness is. And again, I mentioned over 360 times we're, we're commanded and instruct, instructed not to to be and do foolish things. If you do foolish things, then you are, by definition, a fool. And what's a fool? A fool's considered raka is, is in the Greek is it's empty-headed. It, it's, it's being stupid without, without any sense. Well, there's no reason for us to be that way. There's no reason for us to be, you know, duped. But when you allow yourself to willingly be duped, well, that's foolish. How do we allow ourselves to willingly be duped? We believe in the world. We believe in the world's wisdom, the world's ways. Um, Psalm 14.1 says that, that this foolishness begins in the heart because there's no God. When you deny God, that is the, the, the ultimate, the, the ultimate lack of wisdom is the denial of God. And in that, you really are replacing yourself as the God figure. There's no God. Well, why isn't there any God? Because God tells me what to do, how to do it, right? 
and, and he's got an instruction manual and a guide, and I don't want to follow that manual, and I don't want to do it. So I, I reject that guide for, well, it's not empty space. Well, it might be empty space in between your ears, but it's not empty space. It's you're, you're assuming then the position and the authority of God. You're assuming the position of the autonomy, and that is wholeheartedly, completely unwise. Uh, turn with me to Romans 1. Romans 1 is just so powerful in, in our understanding of how this process is working. This is a process. Romans 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Look, I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I'm not ashamed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, the cross, is what has power. It's what truth is. It's what wisdom is. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of that. Verse 17, for it is written of God, it is revealed from faith to faith as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Yes, you know what? We live by faith. We weren't there when Jesus was crucified. There's a faith aspect to that, absolutely. But there's a wisdom aspect to, to believing that and then giving your life to that because that's what we're doing, right? Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men who do what? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The truth is there. The truth is in all of us. This is why little kids do it in the dark. This is why you hide your sin. This is why you lie, right? Because you know that it's wrong from the very, very beginning. You know it's wrong. And so as man suppresses what's true, well, there's a punishment for that. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. What has he made evident? What has God made evident to everybody? Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. Being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Well, that's a powerful proclamation there, isn't it? That because of creation, which, by the way, is clear in, in, in God's words, this isn't even a debate, right? The debate of our age, of the geniuses, of the wise, isn't even a debate to God. I, I wrote it in your heart. You know that when you see that big ball of sun in the sky, which is why so many tribes and all the world for all eternity that didn't have podcasts and TV. The first thing I thought was, whoa, who made that? Now they made the unfortunate mistake many, many times of then worshiping it, that thing that God created, but they were on the right track. It didn't just happen there by accident. God put that in them. It was evident within them. And he says, you are accountable to that. You're accountable to seeing that. 
when you see all the animals in nature and, and just the amazing complexity of, of the different elements of all these different species and kinds and the beauty of it, you know, you don't see, man, that looks just like a man. I'm sitting there looking at, you know, a gibbon who's super cute and looks cool and has, you know, this little hand structure thing. And, you know, he's like that tall, right? And it's like, um, he's a lot shorter than people. Um, how did, what? That doesn't, that doesn't really make any sense. Somebody would have to tell you and brainwash you into believing that. Um, it's crazy. So, even though they knew, verse 21, that God did, they, they knew they did not honor God. They didn't praise God. They weren't in awe of God or give thanks. God, the creator of these animals, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, God, the creator of the maker of rain. Instead of giving him honor and giving him thanks, they became futile in what? In their speculations. Their speculations became philosophies and their foolish hearts then become darkened. So verse 22, this is how it works. Professing to be wise, they actually become fools. That's not wisdom. That's foolishness. That's, that's silly. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals. It's sad, but fools are born this way. We, we have to fight against this by, by yielding ourselves to God's word, allowing God then to, to unfold his great wisdom and authority. We don't have to be buffoons duped by these silly speculations. Well, the second aspect here is fools... Again, the fools think that foolishness is actually wisdom. We see this in Proverbs 12, 15, right? They do what's right in their own eyes. They do what's right in their own eyes. Now, look, it, it wouldn't take very long of a social experiment outside of this little room with this small group of people say, you know what? Here are the rules. Do what's right in your own eyes. You're your own God. You're your own wisdom. Let's just, you know, it's, it's, we'll, we'll just like Lord of the Flies, right? You just do what you want. Well, we read that book. It doesn't work. Because somebody in here doesn't play by the same rules that everybody else does. And then somebody else overpowers that guy who doesn't play by the rules that everybody else does. And then he gets a big head and says, well, now I'm the guy. And then four other people decide, well, we, it, it all falls apart. Some people want to grow a crop and share with everybody else. Some people don't want to share with anybody. I mean, it's, everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There are no absolutes. There are no absolute. What do we call that? We call that chaos and anarchy. It was cracked me up with, you know, the autonomous zones in Seattle, right? That lasted, what, a week? A week? Uh, don't tell me what to do. I don't want any government. Government's corrupt. Authority's corrupt. We want to be autonomous. We want to do whatever we do. And what's the first thing that happened? People start getting shot. Because um, 
fools think that foolishness is wisdom. They so they start by doing what's right in their own eyes. Proverbs fourteen nine. They they mock sin. They laugh at sin. See, here's the problem. Fools laugh at sin. Fools think sin is funny. Fools think that sin, you know what, because it feels good temporarily, that it's good. No, that's foolish. There's consequences. There's consequences. Well, here's the thing. See, fools, they, they want to do their own thing. So here, here, here's the way it works. They, they want to deny that there's any laws. Well, if there's no laws, then there's no breaking of the laws, right? If there's no rules and there's no breaking of the rules, if there's if there's no breaking of the rules, well, then there's no 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 faults. There's no consequences. So so there's no guilt. See, they're trying to eliminate all those those things in their wisdom. I don't want guilt. I don't want punishment. I, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. So, you know, I, I can just be happy. I mean, they have a, a whole system called no fault divorce, right? No fault divorce. It's nobody's fault. Two people said they loved each other. We're going to love each other for life. And you know what? In their infinite wisdom, instead of working through their problems, let me the cat out of the bag, especially for those of you who are maybe young and, and not married yet. Um, you're marrying a sinner. They have sin. They bring sin into the relationship. And, you know, you are a sinner too. So now we've got two sinners and, and kind of like MMA, we put them in the octagon in a little cage and we say, go be free. And those two little sinners now have at it, right? Well, again, unless you have God's word that gives you, here are the rules, here are the parameters, here are the guidelines. This is what love actually is. Love isn't a feeling that's temporary. Love isn't because you look hot at 22. Guess what? She's going to get old and wrinkly and, well, maybe not gray. She can take care of that. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's not what love is. Love is not about physical beauty. Love is patient. Give me a girl who's patient, who's kind, who's not arrogant, who does not seek her own, who does not keep accounts of the wrong suffers, mm -hmm. suffered, right? Because that's what love is going to be about. Love is going to be about somebody who can be kind and forgiving and work through the problems. Because I promise you, 100%, you're going to have problems. Because you're a sinner and the person you're, you're in love with is a sinner too. But the fool, no, no, I want to eliminate that. And so, you know what? Let's pretend like, well, there aren't any rules. So whatever... And this is what the great part is, right, too. It's like they can sit there and say, this person does this, 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 and this. And I don't like it, and it's bad. I'm leaving them. But you said that none of this stuff is bad before. And if you do some of that stuff, it's okay for you to do it, but not for the... They have no definition or understanding of what absolute standards are because they've denied the wisdom of God. So... Proverbs 15 talks about the unwise spouting their opinions, spouting their opinions. Well, I mean, that's the that's the game of the day, isn't it? The game of the day is tell me if this phrase sounds familiar. Well, I think I think in my opinion, so I don't care what you think. I don't care what your opinion is. And you 
listen to the political scene and all the all the different problems that are facing you know america and you know the gas or immigration or whatever it's like well i think it's like what do i care what you think i want real stuff could you imagine you go to your mechanic you know and it's like well you know here you got some problems with the brakes well i think it's this i'm gonna do that and then just send you off no test run no trial we're just gonna base this off my think it's like uh give me the mechanic that says well uh, this is what I see. This is what I know. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, I want I know, not I think. Well, that's where this new age of postmodernism leads us to is just a bunch of people in a room saying, I think, and nobody's right. Um, again, Proverbs 16, too, tells us he's a fool. Why? Because he denies God. It goes right back to Romans 1. When you deny God, you're closing yourself off to, to real wisdom. You're closing yourself off to, to the real game plan. Look, I have the secret to life right here. You, you want to be happy? You, you want to be fulfilled? You want purpose? Well, God doesn't keep that mysterious. You know what? Keep yourself pure. Get married stay committed and faithful have your family and you know what keep your beak out of other people's business and do work you'll be happy well i don't i don't want to do that here uh this guy popped up on my my feed recently and he's crazy i love him um he just says it like what it is you know you get all these you know, so these women come through and go, well, I don't know why I can't find a, a, a good man. And this and that is like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, I've, you know, I've got three kids and, and, you know, I, I you know, I'm a CEO and this and that. And, and, you know, and I'm a great catch. And he's like, no, you're not. He's like, you don't, you don't talk to men. He's like, first of all, all this, all this money and CEO and power. He's like, you just described a man. A man doesn't want a man. A man wants a woman. He wants other things. He's like, and then he's like, and then you got these three kids and two different husbands. He's like, man doesn't want that. He's like, yeah, he wants that in college when he's that way and stuff, but that's not the person he marries. People don't want that. And you know, these people are on the other side, like just dumbfounded by this audacity that this guy cuts it straight. And really all he's doing is like letting him into the team meeting. You know, it says, look, that, that, this is the reality. Now, amongst your girlfriends, you think empowerment, right, is you having the choice to sleep with anybody you want to sleep with. That's not empowerment. That's getting used. It's getting tricked by, by the, the system, by the fools that have sat around and, and speculated of a, of a different and a better way than what the Bible has says. There is no better and different way. But the fools think that their foolishness is actually wisdom when it's not. Again, I just think of the day we live in. You know, you, you, you think, okay, so here's this fool. They write a book based on speculation and based on opinion. And then another fool reads that book and goes, wow, 
that's cool. I've never heard that before. It allows me to do whatever I want to do and fulfill my self-autonomous, live free, try anything once, you know, no consequence, you know, belief system. So I'm going to repeat it to others. And so there's this nonstop, constant repeat of the foolish thought. But it's not wise at all. In fact, you play it out and it doesn't work. It never works. It's like my, the funniest thing about the book Utopia. You know, it's just a tiny little book. And it's like in this book, it's a book. It's a, it's a made up book where the guy has every opportunity in the world to end with and they lived happily ever after, right? It doesn't work in the book Utopia. And here we are running around talking about how we all need to live in Utopia. Doesn't work in, in its theoretical realm. It's insane. Well, finally, the or third, um, fools do receive. They do receive a foolish punishment. Why, why is it foolish? Because they don't have to. You don't have to go down this road. You you realize, you understand that everybody you know rejects the Bible. You've never met anybody that's like, I've never heard of Jesus. Who's that guy? Right? They've heard of Jesus. They, they've heard of the Bible. In fact, uh, uh, here, we could run a little experiment. Go out this week and, and invite four people to church and see what they say. Nobody is going to say, who's Jesus? What's that? Nobody's going to say that. They're going to say, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Why? Tell me why. You know what? They have a pretty good idea of what's happening in here. They have a pretty good idea that we're going to come in here and we're going to sing songs praising and worshiping God. We're going to sing songs praising that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Ooh, that's uncomfortable. They deny that. They're denying that fact. It's, it's Romans 1. They're suppressing that truth. They don't want to hear it. I don't want to come in and hear that. And then I'm pretty sure some guy's going to tell me to stop doing the bad stuff that I'm doing that I know I'm doing that's bad, but I don't want to stop doing it because it feels good. And, and I don't want to hear that either. They know that. They know that somebody's going to tell them stop doing it or repent. Hopefully they do. And to our great detriment, too many churches are now coming and saying, no, just come on in and go out and do the same thing all over again and you'll be forgiven. It'll all be forgiven. Jesus can forgive anything. True, he can. True, Jesus forgives a multitude of your sin, of my sin. Absolutely true. But there's a response. There, there, there's a, a, a following, there's an obedience, there's a repentance aspect. And, and you may come in one way, but you don't leave going out and living that same past life. We call that being dead to sin, being a former life. And you're now new, a new creature, and you're born again, right? So we, we don't continue in that. We fight it. With, with all our passion, we may have struggles, we may have sins, and we fight and we fight and we fight to, to stop it. We, we don't rejoice in it. But they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear, I have to stop 
doing that and change my life and follow no i don't i don't want that well it's foolish they, they don't have to live that way proverbs 120 through 33 um well here let's let's go to proverbs 1 proverbs 1 <clears throat> starting at verse 20 Wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gate in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love simplicity? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. Instead, verse 23, Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when you dread, when dread comes, when dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come on you then they will call on me and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is what? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord, you've got to believe he exists. To fear the Lord, you've got to know He exists and that He's the Creator and He's in control and in charge of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. There, there's some fear there. But they would not accept my counsel. Instead, they spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satisfied in their own devices for the waywardness of the naive shall kill them and complacency of fools shall destroy them. But, but, but he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Listen, there's a punishment for those who do not bow the knee before the throne of God. There's a punishment. You, 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 you can't deny and reject and, and hate and insult and, and refuse to listen to God and then expect to enter into heaven. Like, what? We're cool, right? No. There, there's a line. There, there's a line. That line's scary because I don't know what that line is. I don't know what that line is. I know I have enough sin in my life to, to deserve an eternity in hell. I know that. And I desperately need that benefit of the Lord's blessing. But, I, but are, are, am I being careful enough that I'm not hating knowledge? That I'm not choosing the wisdom of the world? But thankfully, God is good. God is so good. Second Chronicles 7. Second Chronicles 7 gives us a, a, a beautiful <clears throat> picture here. Second Chronicles 7.14 And my people 
who are called by my name humble themselves and they pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. See, look, you may have been born a fool. You, you may think foolishness things, but there's no reason for you to receive the punishment of foolishness. No reason. God is sitting there waiting, waiting for you to call out his name. But you've got to humble yourself to do that, right? It's, I can't do it. It's not about me. What I'm doing is wrong. I admit it. Humble yourself. Pray. Pray. Go to God. Seek His face and turn. Repent from your wicked ways. Then the Lord will hear you. So there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Um... And as we continue in Ephesians, we'll see what that looks like, that, that, that we can be wise and reject foolishness. We can do it. In fact, the book of Ephesians gives us this beautiful blueprint in how we walk in a manner worthy of the love and forgiveness that God gives us, even though we've been foolish, even though we think foolish things, but we can repent from them and we can bow the knee before his throne. Let's pray. Lord, thank you 